Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here, and we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us. We're starting a new series, book series. We're going to read books um, every month as part of our worship. And we start a new series today. It's Adam Hamilton's uh, Why, uh, Making Sense of God's Will. Adam Hamilton uh, started a new church decades ago in Kansas, and they were in a funeral home. They started in a funeral home. And so they named the church the Church of the Resurrection to, uh, to really emphasize in that funeral home that, that um, Christ was about resurrection. And so he grew it from that uh, tiny little thing to an enormous church in Kansas City. And they do it the right way in terms of their reaching out to the community, in terms of um, he's always offering great books and topics that are practical, that are real for what we're dealing with right now, and um, is uh, United Methodist through and through. And so the theology is uh, is, is really is, uh, really resonates with the United Methodist theology. So we're going to be reading this book together. If you ordered a book, Beth is in the back. Wave your hand, Beth. Beth um, can give you a book. We're going to make sure that we have the ones that we need for traditional people who set aside, but we'll have a couple extra if you want to sign that. Um, I'm going to make it, I'm going to improve the way that we order and pay for books because we're going to be doing that routinely. And so I'll be telling you later on this month what we're doing for September to go ahead and get that ready and done so we won't be chasing it like we were um, this month. I'm going to invite Katie to come up and tell us about the ice cream social. And while she's coming, I'll tell you our good news for the week. It's two things. Um, one, we hosted 25 people from around the state uh, for a conference that's uh, one of my responsibilities for the annual conference, um, people who are interested in ministry, and uh, we had a tremendous time in the social hall in the sanctuary. The band played for us, which was awesome. Sheila cooked for us, and Tommy brought it over and helped to bring it over. That was awesome. Uh, we had a great uh, group that was uh, really learned a, a good deal about ministry. The other thing I'm excited about is um, one of them called the uh, um, Grassy Lot Ministries. We're starting Grassy Lot Ministries, and that's because the trustees got the Grassy Lot cut over there. And as people have told us that, um, yeah, I couldn't find a parking space today. And that's sort of cute for a couple weeks, and then it gets old in a hurry. And so if you drive a truck or an SUV, and you can drop off your family here, and you can park your truck or SUV in our Grassy Lot. And uh, one day, I hope and dream to own a truck that I can park in the grassy lot. It's going to be amazing. Good morning. I'm Katie Jeter, and I do the children and family ministries here at Memorial, so I have two quick announcements from those departments to share with you this morning. First of all is the ice cream social. A reminder that this year it's not here on our church grounds, but it's going to be under the large shelter at Lake Robinson. So that's Sunday the night at 5 o'clock. So bring your favorite homemade ice cream or a dessert to share, and we'll have drinks and everything else that we need out there set up under the shelter. The second quick announcement is that we are updating and making sure we have all of the correct information for our children's ministries. So there's a small station set up downstairs and upstairs this morning with just a quick information sheet. So if you have children in Sunday school or nursery, if you would just take a second to fill those out and return those this morning on those tables. Thank you. Um, Katie asked you nicely. I'm going to tell you to do it. Do it, people. Sign up on the list. Um, I'm taking a vacation starting today right after worship, and we're going to be back on Saturday. And I'm going to try my best to not look back uh, in the slightest. 
Uh, John Rush is one of our great retired ministers here, and John is going to visit uh, anyone that needs to be visited throughout this week in their homes or in the hospitals, as he loves to do anyway, uh, whether I'm here or not. And so um, he's going to help you this week, and I'm going to try not to look back, and when I get back, we're going to be well-rested and uh, ready to go for the fall. So let's turn our hearts towards the Lord. I'm going to turn it over to the praise band. Before you stand, I want to share just a couple of things with you. First, we'd like to um, officially welcome Caitlin Owens to the Praise Band. We are super excited that she has decided to share her ministry with us this way. And I also wanted to let you know that um, the Praise Band was privileged to be able to share some music with the conference event on Friday morning. And like uh, Pastor Joe said, there are about 25 people in attendance. They sang louder than you do. <laughs> so today I want to invite you to stand and sing out praise to your God, and don't worry if your neighbor hears you. So would you stand and join us? Gracious God, we are so grateful to come together this morning as your family and to praise and worship you and to sing out your praises. We ask that you help us to come before you boldly and proudly and 
unashamed. And we ask that you help us to lay our burdens and our struggles and even our questions at your feet. Join our hearts and minds together now as we worship you this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you would turn and greet your neighbor and children can come forward for the children's sermon. I failed to say that you can um, do the prayer concerns. If y'all have prayer concerns that you'd like our ushers to give you a card, um, our prayer team will literally be playing, praying for you throughout the week. So if you'll raise your hand, uh, ushers, while Katie's doing the children's sermon, ushers will bring you a card. Hey guys, how are y'all? Do you ever forget anything? Do you ever forget anything? Is it hard to remember everything you're supposed to remember sometimes? Yeah, I definitely feel that way. And y'all are getting ready to go back to school, so that means you even have more than normal to remember. What do you have to remember for school? Homework? To wear the right things? For dress code? What else? School supplies? You gotta make sure you have everything you need. And your, your lunch? Yeah, that would be terrible. You gotta have your lunch. Okay, so there's lots of things that we need to remember. Do you know that people sometimes have little tricks or little things they do to help them remember everything they have to remember? Have you ever heard of somebody tying a string on their finger when they need to remember something and so they'll look down and see that string and it'll make them remember what they need? Have you ever heard of that little trick? What about, have you seen post-it notes, little sticky notes around your house where your mom or dad have written? things that they need to remember? Yeah? Okay, so there's lots of different ways we can try to help ourselves remember what we need to know so that we don't forget it. And I think God probably knew that we were going to need some help remembering too. And we're going to do something in church this morning that helps us to remember Him. Do you know what we're going to have this morning during our service? Look up on this table behind me. What does that look like? Yeah, it's communion. And that's a way for us to remember the body and the blood of Jesus. So he gave us a reminder for when we're forgetful, and we're going to use it this morning to help us remember him, and that he's always with us, and that he's always there for us to help us remember all the many things we have to do and remember. So the bread represents what? Body. That's right. And then the juice that we have helps us remember what? And why do we want to remember that? You're going to have them here this morning. Yeah. It helps us remember when he died on the cross for us, right? Okay. So when you take communion this morning, I want you to remember Jesus. And then as you go back to school in the next few weeks, I want you to remember that he's always with you so that you don't have to worry about forgetting things or getting nervous when school starts back because he's going to help you remember what you need to. You just have to ask him. Do you think we can do that? Okay. 
we're going to have those the communion elements this morning during church. Yeah. Okay. Bow your heads and say our prayer with me, okay? Dear God, thank you for the reminders of the body and blood of Jesus. And we also thank you for helping us not to forget. In your name we pray. Amen. As we go to the Lord in prayer, we're asked to remember two people to pray for health and healing for Beanie Robertson and for Steve Willman, diagnosed with liver cancer. And as we remember those two and those um, that are not mentioned to us, those are um, deep within our hearts, um, those that we sometimes share with family, we sometimes share with church members, we sometimes don't share at all. Let's consider those who need us in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this house where we may come and worship. We thank you for your listening ears. We pray to you with uh, said and unsaid prayers. We thank you for groups from this church that visit everyone in every way. We thank you for groups that pray for everyone in every way. And we ask you to help us not to rely on them, but for us to daily think of those in our family, in our church, in our workplace that we may pray for. Instruct us this morning, Lord. Inspire us. Feed us with your text. Lead us in the way that you would like us to go by um, having us pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, so as I mentioned, we start a new book today. Um, Adam Hamilton's Why, and there's only four chapters. If you look at, and many of you have the book in your hand, it's as tiny as can be. That's my kind of book. Right? So like when you, when you read through it, you can tell people, hey, I read a book. Um, I, forget, I forget what comedian's real big on, you know, whenever you've actually completed a book somehow, you want to tell every single person that you read a book. Um, Jim Gaffigan, he's, he's the one that loves to do that. Um, so there's four chapters. We have five weeks in August, but one week is this communion week, and so the sermon is rather short. And so in our fifth Sunday, um, we'll be in the sanctuary. Whenever we have a fifth Sunday, it's combined, and it's at 10 a.m., and we will um, be doing that this month, and it will be in the sanctuary, and I want you all to travel with us over there um, because that will be the culmination of what we're talking about. So week one and week two are um, chapter one, Why Do the Innocent Suffer? 
This is a question that people ask all the time, whether it be um, themselves or their children or their neighbors or someone in the church. You know, I can't believe that person harmed themselves on the fence or was in that car accident or, or um, got ill. Um, chapter 2 is, why do my prayers go unanswered? So chapter 1 will be this week and next week. Um, two weeks from now, it'll be, why do my prayers go unanswered? Chapter 3 will be, um, why can't I see God's will for my life? How am I supposed to understand God's will for my life? And chapter 4 will be the fifth Sunday in August. We'll be in the sanctuary. Um, why God's love prevails. So the way we're going to use the book is I'd like you to read each chapter um, each week, and I'm going to have um, quotes of the day that come from the book. I would reference the pages, but the way I read it, it's on my Kindle, and the pages are entirely different uh, than the book. Um, so I'm, I'm going to let you uh, look for them and find them. So Mark 14, verse 17. And this is a little different because it's a communion Sunday, and so the two themes are woven together, the both communion and the book Why. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. So number one, while they were eating. Think about the times when Jesus did something amazing while they were eating. When it says Jesus fed 5,000, it was far more than 5,000. It was 5,000 men that were there, much less their families. And so Jesus was teaching people on the side of the hill, and his disciples were saying, you know, what you're saying is amazing. People are being fed uh, with their brain, but they're about to be grumpy and want to be fed with their stomach. And we don't have enough. And we need you, the teaching's great, but I need you to send them home. And, or you need to feed them. And he said, you feed them. You take what you have. Everybody pick up what they have and we'll be a miracle today and we'll feed everybody today. And that's uh, just one major example of uh, feeding. I'll give you another one. Um, the tax collector um, who's up in the tree as Jesus is going by in a parade. The tax collector is a pariah in his community because he, on behalf of the Roman government, takes far more taxes from his dear neighbors then he has to. And as long as he gives the Romans their money, he gets to keep anything else. So imagine if one of your dear friends that you've had over for dinner that y'all been in the backyard cooking out for a long, long time, and all of a sudden another government comes in and they say, I bet he knows how much money you have. He's going to hit you up for as much money as we need. And he just starts hammering you with taxes. And he has Roman soldiers behind him that will take you out if you don't give it to him. So Zechariah is up in the tree Jesus has come down. They go to Zachariah's house. They eat. The funny part is it says that he's there with a bunch of sinners as if any gathering of human beings is not a bunch of sinners. Zechariah at that dinner says, I'm going to give it all back. I'm going to give everything back. I took too much. That was around the dinner table. So if you look throughout the Gospels, actually if you look throughout the whole Bible, you'll see amazing things happening when people are eating. And, of course, we, United Methodists, champion this sort of behavior by eating just about every time we gather. We're like, you know, we're getting together. Let's go ahead and eat something. But this is a very bad thing when people are eating. Um, I watch really ridiculous, stupid reality television shows 
um, at different parts of the week to get over the serious nature of parts of my week. And um, I may or may not share the shows that I watch with you at some point in the future. Um, but in every one of those has a part where it's somebody says something and they'll do a sound effect of a big thunder and their screen shakes, but it's going to be the next commercial break before they deal with what this person just said to the group. This awful thing that the person just said. But Jesus says, one of y'all around this table is going to betray me. It's not just a gathering of random people. It's his disciples. One of you around this table is going to betray me. So this group that's here, everything that we've sacrificed to be here, so many people against us, but at least we had each other. At least we've got each other. Someone among us will unravel our bond. So the scripture continues in verse 19. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. Surely you don't mean me. Um, and there's a feeling you get when someone suggests that you did something. And really it's more when they suggest it to the group. Um, somebody here left all the lights on. Somebody here cut the air down, didn't cut it back up. Somebody here left a coffee cup on the altar. I don't know who did it. All of a sudden, people started, well, that wasn't me. Katie texted me the other day. She said, did you leave ice cream on top of the refrigerator? This is the middle of the day, and I wrote back, no, that's insane. Who would do that? Nah, surely you don't mean I did that. Forget the fact that I'm the only one tall enough to put ice cream on the top of the refrigerator. But in my, I knew, no, who would, who would put ice cream on top of the refrigerator? Five minutes later, I wrote her back and went, you know what, I think, I think the waffles were behind the ice cream. And I think I set the ice cream on the top to get the one, and she were back, right. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was you, period. I knew it. But whenever somebody says, hey, did somebody do this? You start to think, well, surely you don't mean I did it. He says, one of you is going to betray me. Verse 20 says, it's one of the twelve, he replied. One who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Now, Son of Man is just, it's code. Um, there's different ways that Jesus refers to himself. But the phrase son of man is to express the fact that he is entirely human. He knows what it's like to be human. He feels human emotions. He feels human weakness, human brokenness. So um, actually you look at some translations, it'll say the human one. I forget what the King James does, but when you hear that, it's just code for um, I, human, Jesus. I'm going to have to do this, but woe to the person who sends me there. So the question is, why can't you stop it? Why don't you just stop it? If you know that it's coming, if you know that the pressures of the outside world of Jerusalem, who do, the people do not want us to be here, the pressures will become too great, and they'll lean on someone too hard, and that person feeling that pressure will sell you out. If you know that, why not stop it? Just stop it. And this is a notion Peter had the first time that Jesus mentioned it. It's way back, way back before this day in Scripture. When things are really going along, 
things are really cooking. The group is really getting big. And it's out in Galilee, not in Jerusalem. Galilee's beautiful. It's by the lake. It's mountains. And the crowds are gathering. Everyone's excited. And Jesus says, who do y'all think I am? And Peter said, well, you know, some people think this, some people like that. He says, who do you think I am? He says, you're Jesus. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. All of a sudden, he's got the right answer. And in that moment, Jesus says, we're going to have to go to Jerusalem. It's going to be painful. People aren't going to like this. People are going to um, put me under uh, some uh, trial. There's likely going to be punishment. It's likely going to cost me my life. And we're likely going to be scattered from this moment. What do you think these guys would think about that? That's insane. Look at the size of the group we have going here. Look at the momentum we have going here. If you know that's going to happen, just stop it. So, I think that's a perfect notion, a perfect segue to what's in chapter 1 of the book. When human beings see something awful happen, say, God, why can't you stop this? Why can't you keep us from feeling this immense pain or loss or death or illness? And so here's uh, the first quote of the day. Adam says, if God is loving and just, then God must not be all-powerful. Or if God is all-powerful, God must not be loving or just. For if God were all-powerful and, all and loving and just, then God would stop the evil and pain and suffering of the world. He didn't say this is true. He says this is a misconception of humanity. God might, there's no way God is all-powerful and loving and just and these things happen. Well, consider a parent with a child along a sidewalk on a tricycle. Does that parent love that child more than anything in the world? Yes. Would they do anything for that child and try to protect them in any way possible? Yes. If the child turns the wheel too hard, hits an angle, and falls, will they fall over? Yes. If they fall over on the sidewalk and scrape their knee and eat it, will they cry and look at the parent like, what happened? Yes. Did the parent have any desire for that to happen? No. Not in the slightest. The parent, if a parent wouldn't want that to happen to a child, why would God want that to happen to us? But see, we put ourselves in positions where we can harm ourselves. Sometimes other people put themselves in positions where they can harm us. And if God loves us like a parent loves a child, but God can't stop it like a parent can't stop it for a child, then this, misconcep then this is entirely a misconception. Let's look at the second quote of the day. Our disappointment with God in the face of suffering or tragedy or injustice typically stems from our assumptions about how God is supposed to work in our world. My goodness, assumptions and lack of communication. If you don't tell a group of people how it's going to happen and that group of people makes assumptions about how they figure it should happen, and then something happens that they didn't figure should happen, and you haven't communicated with it. Uh, I, what's, the, what's the phrase? Um, uh, I forget if it's uh, a person in, in leadership or if it's a minister who just told me this, or if it's just common wisdom. Um, surprised people behave badly. You ever heard that? Just think about that. Surprised people 
behave badly. So if people have expectations about the way God should behave, and something happens that they think is not in line with that, then they're going to be pretty upset about it. So if we think that God is supposed to stop suffering and tragedy in the world, then we're going to be entirely upset that suffering and tragedy happens. But why does a hurricane happen? If you look in the book, Adam talks about how hurricanes help are a force in this world to help cool the earth. That they are a natural force in this world that helps it keep going. But hurricanes also sometimes hit land. And, you know, we humans, we like to put houses near the ocean because it's so beautiful. We also say, hey, you know what would be amazing is if we put it in this place. You think, well, it's kind of below sea level. I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's beautiful, though. I want to put my house right here. Well, hurricanes come through here. Okay. I really like my house in California. California's beautiful. You know, earthquakes happen here. Yeah. I do like California, though. You know, earthquakes are a part of this world staying alive. But human beings happen to live in places that cause earthquakes. And so, um, if God created this majestic world that we don't necessarily have a huge part in it running, we just sort of assume it's going to run. And God needs those things to happen in order for the world to keep existing then is it God's will to stop a hurricane? Is it God's will to stop an earthquake? No. Is it God's will for humans to go in pursuit of humans who have been harmed by those events? Absolutely. To go and to reach out to people who have been harmed by a natural event. If you have ever seen a two-year-old just losing it, going insane, or doing whatever they need to do to not lose it or go insane, you can understand free will entirely. Free will exists and has been granted to human beings. And so if a parent has to grant free will to a child but can reach out and touch them and stop them, imagine the way God grants free will to humans. And so when suffering and tragedy happens, in many cases, it's because God granted free will. Is it God's will that humans would harm humans? Well, is it your will as a parent that your children would beat each other? Not really. Is it God's will that humans would reach out to humans in suffering? Absolutely. And go to them. So, if you say, um, I, I think it's interesting to say, why can't you stop it? If you know that one of these 12 guys is going to do it. Let's look at the text, verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So covenant is a really significant word in the Bible. It's happened since day one. And you think, um, people are like, God is all about rules. <gasps> okay, that is like a child saying parents are all about rules. Are parents all about rules? No. 
loved and 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 they came up with some rules to protect you. But first of all, they loved and loved and loved and provided and provided and loved and provided and didn't sleep. So when God establishes a covenant, which has happened throughout the entire Bible, the first thing that God does is provide something. I'm going to get you all out of Egypt. I'm going to help you escape. And when we get out there, we're going to come up with the Ten Commandments. But the first thing we're going to do is get you out of Egypt and provide food for you. And then we're going to come up with a covenant together that I want you to honor. And people sometimes do it, and people sometimes struggle. Another nation came in and obliterated us and separated us all. I'm drawing us all back together. We found each other. We're able to worship together again. Let's set up a covenant. Jesus says, this is a new covenant. It's something that's happened since there have been God and human beings. So here's what's interesting to me in, in, in the light of that. It's not that violence can't be stopped. It's that God's love and covenant can't be stopped. And I'll tell you why. Um, in the face of religious leaders that told him he could never be of God. Never. Because of the way you look and the way you talk and the way you think and what you do. In the face of angry mobs that drove him to the edge of cliffs. In the face of temptations presented to him to use his power to serve his own interests. In the face of hostility of Jerusalem about to overflow on the other side of the door of him offering this food to them. And in the face of one of his own who was about to turn him in sitting at this very table. Jesus offers sacrifice and promise and love and covenant. So if you say, I don't think there's any end to violence in this world. I don't think there's any end to suffering in this world, to nature's wrath in this world. What I want you to think about is I don't think there's any end to our offering love in the face of that in this world. Because that's what Jesus did. The world was equally violent. People were equally against him. People died much sooner than we died. They lived much shorter lives. They had much less quality of life. And in the face of that, Jesus offered love and sacrifice and covenant. Verse 25. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I'm about to sacrifice everything. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I know that one of y'all is going to betray me, he says, but I'm going to love you as if none of y'all are. And here's your final quote of the day. The first foundational idea is that God has given human beings dominion over this planet. That is, God has placed the human race in charge of God's planet, making us responsible for what happens here. And with that weight of responsibility, I'm going to invite you to the table for communion so that you can participate in the covenant that he offered his people so that you can leave this place and go out into the world that needs people who will never, ever stop offering love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing word. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your promises. And we thank you for each new opportunity that we have to serve. Call us forward to your table with open hands and hearts and minds.
that we can truly participate in your covenant. Amen. I'm not quite sure how y'all have done um, communion before, so I'm going to... Um, we're going to do it, and we're going to see how it goes. Um, but we are going to have communion every Sunday, every first Sunday of the month um, here in this in both services, and um, we'll keep working on it and see how how we do it. First thing I want you to do is stand and join me in the communion liturgy that's on your screen. Let's say it like it matters. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I'm going to do something that y'all might not be accustomed to. I want y'all to offer the peace of Christ to each other. If you just shake each other's hand and say, peace be with you. And if you'll have a seat. thing I love about that cycle as the band comes up is that we acknowledge, we have to acknowledge that we've fallen short and acknowledge that we've got a new opportunity. We've got a chance uh, to do it the right way every single time. So in the midst of this communion uh, liturgy, we have our offering. And so at this time, uh, we're going to offer our tithes and um, other offerings. So I cry out with all 
18 months, my favorite kind of bread for communion has been this bread that I found. Um, Jesus used very common elements to do very uncommon things. So as you see this bread, as you potentially use this bread, I want you to remember this moment in which Jesus sat around that table and used, uh, as I said, very, very common elements to do very uncommon things in the name of God. Jesus sat around that table. He broke the bread and he said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup and he gave thanks to you. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, a new promise, a new opportunity which is poured out for you 
for anyone who wants to participate. I'm going to call my leaders forward who are going to serve with me. Um, in the United Methodist Church, anyone who wants to come forward for Holy Communion is welcome to do so. We serve by intention, meaning that one of our servers will give you a piece of bread. Um, if you if you hold your hands like this, this is a posture that uh, I love people to approach the um, communion table with. They'll give you a piece of bread and you dip it into the cup and then you eat it. And if should you just eat it, they'll give you another piece of bread to dip into the cup. We have um, gluten-free elements. Should you want gluten-free elements, the way that we're going to come forward is by the center. So as you all see the line going, you're welcome to come. And if you need gluten-free elements, they're on this plate here, if you'll grab that first as you go. And so um, I tell you what, I'm going to have all the bleacher folks, because you all were lucky, you all were um, nice enough to sit on the bleachers for us. I'm going to have you all come first. And if you'll come down the center, and I want you to watch this cord over here. We've got it nicely protected by the carpet, but make sure you pick up your feet.
Um, some people ask, should um, children be served communion? The answer is very simple in United Methodist Church, and that is absolutely. And it's because of a fundamental faith that we have in God's love that precedes anything we've ever done, I understand. It's the reason United Methodists also baptize infants, because God loves us before we ever thought about it or did anything about it. And so I always invite your children um, to come forward for Holy Communion. Will you stand and sing with us? nailed to the cross and I bear 
Thank you for a willing spirit. Thank you for being eager to buy the book and for participating. Thank you for everything that you've been willing to do since I got here. It makes it so much more fun and, uh, and uh, exciting. So uh, receive the benediction. If you'll go in peace, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. week.